recording. All right, so today we are doing the second half of lecture 10. Um, so ascending and descending spiritual levels, which is a great kind of overview of, of Isaiah's ladder, Isaiah decoded, etc. Um, as I'm just kind of looking through this, um, we have a few little smiley faces. So let's start with with those and some of the, the questions and comments people had as they were going through it. Um, <clears throat> I'm out. Shalice needs to be let in. <laughs> oh, there we go. Yeah, there with my own personal one, we don't have to actually let people in, <laughs> which is nice, but we'll wait for her to pop on. There she is. Um, let's see. So the, the first one is there at uh, the hour and a minute marker. Um, and so it, we're talking about kingdom hopping, which I'm sure if anybody's listening to this back, we're like, oh, what? Um, but it's, it's interesting how uh, this can be kind of, um, what do I want to say? Not confused, but um, it, it almost seems like Avraham is saying one thing in this book about it and then in another thing, in another book about it and has differing opinions on, on things. And so, I don't know, it, it, it is what it is, but um uh just kind of taking what he he is saying here um so kingdom hopping no but if you try it you'll end up lower if you try to take a shortcut but it really is a rebirth and you know it as paul says you cannot be saved in ignorance well you can't be exalted in ignorance either and so i think that that's an interesting uh point that he's making there right that we can't be saved in ignorance but the the opposite is also true we can't be exalted in ignorance. We have to um, be learning and being led by the Spirit and learning how to hear Him, etc. Um, in order to, um, whichever way it ends up, whether it's <laughs> kingdom hopping or, or whatever uh, that, that seems to be. But um, anyway, I think that that's a, a really important um, point because a lot of times I hear the excuse well i don't know i just don't want to study the mysteries so at least i'm keeping my covenants and i'll be exalted and i and i don't know if if that's necessarily a truth right like if you can be saved in ignorance i don't think you can be exalted in ignorance but anyway what do you guys think on, on that kind of stuff i wish we would be able to go up and down to see some of our people that won't maybe make it because you know because i've always said that in real time in real life only I always say, I hope y'all come down and visit me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got to change our pronouns. But, we're, we're but the... now I don't say that anymore because <laughs> it's, you know, six years later. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, here's about Tracy's comment, but I have, I've always understood that if the ones above can always go down to visit and minister. It goes down, but those below can't ascend higher to other kingdoms. Mm -hmm. Well, after all this that we've read and studied, I just can't imagine that there isn't perpetual growth. And I guess I've heard that once you're assigned a kingdom, that's it. But now I'm like, wait a minute, maybe that's a precept of man. I don't know where I read that or where I've heard it. Um. And I think kingdom hopping, where he says, if you try it, you'll be sorry. I think that's when you try to circumvent a shortcut or mm -hmm. assume you're into something else. Which is kind of like what 
Lucifer's plan is, right? To to get higher than the gods, the Tower of Babel, you know, like uh, thinking that you can circumvent the actual path that it takes to get there. You can get there without sacrifice, without uh, using your agency to suffer for others, etc. And uh, there's no shortcuts. <laughs> yeah. So fascinating how little we know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, but it's, it's fun to sit and ponder it too. Like, wow. What well, can happen? Yeah. Um, just kind of continuing with, continuing with Shalisa's thoughts. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Okay, sorry. I just don't know if my service is great. Um, but just continuing with Shalisa's thoughts, um, the, the idea of like not being able to continue to progress, you know, doesn't seem to mesh with, you know, with a lot of scripture. And I, I just think of, um, oh, where was it just reading? I don't know if it was in this lecture, but just you know, essentially how, I think maybe it's Alma talking about how whatever, uh, essentially what where we die in this body is where we are after this life, right? And and so it's it's just interesting to me to think, like, if that's the case, like, do we really think there are very many celestial beings, you know, like, uh that that we can go from just right here right now and then just magically pop into the celestial kingdom without being celestial here right like so yeah it would make sense to me that there's still like progression happening um after this life because the the vast majority of us are nowhere near that you know that level or not that and not that we can't we're you know we're striving and we're you know we're trying to progress here but just to think that that just halts and stops just doesn't seem to i don't know doesn't square in my mind at least mm -hmm. so this is something that i've been wrestling with the last few years is i just think a kind and living heavenly father kind and loving father wouldn't send his children with a veil and then say, if you're lucky, you'll have the Holy ghost. Good luck with that. I hope you make it back. Mm -hmm. And so I've kind of, I've kind of on my own come to that conclusion that it only makes sense that we continue pro progress. But um, I've had people talk to me since general conference and say, that's not what elder president Oak said what you do now. So are we getting traditions of men taught in general conference? Are we like, how do you square all of that? Yeah. Cause that's a, a definite wrestle, right. Of, of different mm -hmm. things. Um, to me, cause you don't want to be apostate, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and yet it doesn't. And, and we're told in Moses, my, to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man is my work. Like, does he just give up? How many of us have the Holy Ghost? Okay, a small percentage of us have the Holy Ghost. 
to help us. And then how many of that small percentage really use the Holy Ghost, really have the Holy Ghost. And it's like, good luck with that. I hope you make it. But I just, I just don't think that's how it works. And yet that's not what we're taught. Mm -hmm. I also get that if we're taught, there's progression after this, that a lot of us would just be like, yeah, I don't have to do anything now. Mm -hmm. Right. So is it prodding that we're getting? Is it false traditions that we're getting? I don't know. I remember from like the visions of glory, Spencer, he's going back and he's looking at all the things he knows and all of the houses and places he's been. And like for us, we're always encouraged to get more knowledge, keep learning, Mm -hmm. like even BYU pathway. We're in the end time scenario. We're in the commotion you know like a lot of kids are feeling oh i i don't want to go to school it's all just going to blow up anyway but no heavenly father wants us to keep learning as much as we can because we can take that with us and then i think this is what tracy durfee thinks when we we're awakened to what our spirit already knows we're going to be like oh wow you know Yay for what all the work we're doing. That's, I think that's why we hunger after it. So, but I think that learning another word for learning is progressing. Right. And I think I interrupted you, Cameron. I'm sorry. Oh no, because you you were basically saying what I was saying. So I, <laughs> to reiterate it was unnecessary. Um, okay. So um, just one thing to, to add to that kind of at the end, uh, I forget exactly where, he's talking about might mind and strength right and oh there it is in hour one uh 22 minutes uh he's talking about the that we as we get older we lack in strength we begin to lack strength but you can compensate for that lack by spiritual strength so like a deaf person whose other senses become more acute um as our physical strength deteriorates we can gain in other strengths um and so kind of with that, that whole theme in mind of as we're, we're growing, like we might be uh, experiencing it differently, right? Where we have a, a certain lack, which allows our, our spirits to grow in, in other ways and be attuned to other things. And so um, like the... Uh, uh, my brain went there because of like, like pathways, right? Like, yeah, the world's going to, <laughs> is going crazy, but yet knowledge, that's a, a time when we can really grow and things. And that's why like 2020 was, was an excellent year to like, okay, cut off the, the world and like focus on this right now and, and grow in, in a new way that we haven't experienced for a while kind of thing. But yeah, that's just what I would add to that. Yeah, I agree. That's what I did too. That I look back at what I used to do, like someone came in and they see my giant TV and they're like, wow, you have a really blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, I never watch it. I wish I could get it down off the wall. (laughs) It's like a Babylon. (laughs) Yep. I know it's just pasted up there and it's, I, the more I study, the more I hunger. Like last night I was really tired but I stayed up till 11 so I could get my homework done. So I could sound somewhat like I've read the material. <laughs> it's so good. This, these lectures are so good. But they really are. 
getting the Babylon out is no easy feat. But once you get out of some of the things you used to do, you're like, you look back and you're like, wow, I'm so glad I don't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. Like right now I'm wrestling with Halloween. Our church is having their Halloween trunk or treat. And I, I'm a primary teacher. I want to go do it, but I don't want to go do it because it's that tradition of ick. And so I'm like, what can I do different? It, it's been really interesting this year because like, yeah, I've wrestled with that. Yeah, the box. Years now and stuff. <laughs> and um, it's just been interesting what the, the Lord has had me doing to to kind of substitute or, or do something else in light of that. Um, and so as a, uh, the Burley Family History Center, we're going to throw a Day of the Dead activity and talk about our ancestors and all that kind of stuff, right? And That's it's just been so enlightening to to help others who aren't familiar with a, a Spanish tradition to understand how important a Day of the Dead is, a memorial uh, that we we put an altar, <laughs> we we put in our ofrenda and all of this stuff and. And it's the one day a year when the veil is so thin that we can actually be with our mm -hmm. ancestors and things. And, and it's just such a, a very special activity. And I'm like, I'm not even, cause I used to be, I used to be trying to like advocate <laughs> against Halloween or whatever. And I'm like, it doesn't do any good to, to kick against the pricks. I, I, people are going to have their opinions and stuff, but it's like, but look at this, look at this shiny thing. <laughs> like, this is so much better. You know, like think about our ancestors. If you want to go to a Halloween activity, dress up as an ancestor instead of a, a goblin or whatever <laughs> kind of a thing. But, That's what uh, we do. I turn off all the lights and we watch Coco uh -huh. and then we index. I'm <laughs> like, what better thing to do, yeah. you know, than, than kind of the same thing. Remember our heritage, our ancestors. Maybe they're not my ancestors, but I can help further the work on Halloween. <laughs> yeah, because like that that principle in Coco, I I swear this ties to the lesson. <laughs> but like, isn't it interesting that Coco has so many important principles iterated in there in such a, a good way? I I don't like Disney and Pixar and those kind of stuff, but like, oh man, they really did hit it out of the park with some of the principles that are taught in it. There is some worldly stuff in there, but um, the fact that when your name is spoken for the very last time here on earth, that's a death. That's the third death. The first death mm -hmm. is when our spirit leaves our body. The second is when we're actually interred into the ground. And the third is when our name sometime in the future is spoken for the very last time. Mm -hmm. So if like the, the photos, like nobody put up my photo, they can't come through the veil and celebrate with anybody because nobody remembers them. Nobody is speaking their name and putting their, their picture on the ofrenda. And so isn't that interesting? Like as we are indexing, as we're doing things on that day that we're speaking their name so that they, they can come through the veil and, and minister to their families and, and this and that. Now, yes, we know that ministering angels have um, quite the the skill set to traverse the veil. <laughs> but uh, for those that have been forgotten, doing their work and getting them one step closer to them connecting with their family, I think that that's such a, a huge work that that we do in helping others grow their trees and things. So anyway, I, I think that that's all part yeah. of the, the the ladder to heaven. You know, sometimes we've got our direct line done, go help others then. Because I mean, we're all family and we're all doing this together. And anyway, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like President Nelson, right? He spends Halloween in the Bountiful Temple every single year. I don't know about this year, yeah. but like, that's what he does. Uh, I think that's a great example. <laughs>
Tracy, I'm kind of like you. My son and his family's moved in with us and we have just for a few weeks while he's doing some training, a few weeks, maybe eight to 12 or maybe a little more. So it's not just a couple of weeks, but we have our three and five-year-old, almost three and almost five-year-old grandsons living with us. I will, I don't go to trunk or treat. I just don't. And so this year, tonight we're going and it's like, ah, how am I going to, how am I going to do this? As they were driving down here from Utah, my son called me and he goes, Mimi, what do you think of Halloween? I go, I hate Halloween. And the boys are like, you hate Halloween. I go, I've never liked it. Even as a child, I never have liked Halloween. And they're like, oh no, you know, and of course Mm -hmm. they don't do the spooky, scary stuff. And so they like seeing the little ghosts and the skeletons and that's about it. But yeah, it's kind of hard because it's like, ah. I was like, I don't even want to give them sugar because last Sunday after our primary program, they gave them so much sugar that it just literally poisoned them out of their heads. They Mm -hmm. feel crazy. Yep. I want to go back and talk about Uh, family history with some of the names I had this happen to me this week it was with a Facebook post someone put up a picture in Manila Utah of the Briggs family (laughs) and I'm related through one of my grandmas on my grandma's side and so I just tagged all my family and I said look great great grandma lived in Manila and my auntie's like no she didn't and and I had traced it back. All of the names fit. I'm like, why doesn't she want her to be from Manila? <laughs> That's mm. such a random spot. But anyway, this other guy, he came in, a Briggs from Montana. He's like, I want to get a hold of you and talk family history. And so we've been talking about our grandmas. And I am praying for heavenly messengers and holy cow, here we are. That's the way I'm going to take that. Mm-hmm. That's so fun. It is. Anyway, it's um, John Briggs from Dillon, Montana, and he's a cowboy dude. And <laughs> That's interesting. We're, we're exactly alike, our, the way we were brought up and <laughs> the way our parents were and horses and all the things. So it's been really fun connecting with him and so you guys are my Briggs family too, so I'm sure you're related. <laughs> well, that, that's so fun. Isn't that cool? Yeah. I'll give you his name if you want it. Uh-huh. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. LinkedIn, so now we're we should do a relative finder. Yeah, we really for should. For our group and see how we're all related. Oh, you know we're all related. Oh, I know we are. Yeah, I know we are. <laughs> we um, like, a long time ago when we first started our Abraham book and stuff, but I haven't like looked into it or updated it since then. We really should. Yeah, I think we did. I've I've actually started a group with some women here. I've joined a group here and we got together and saw how we were all related. We're all ninth and 10th cousins. But um, anyways, I was getting on relative finder and showing um, some things and I saw that on there. I'm like, man, that was a long time ago. Mm -hmm. That's so fun. Yeah, Maria. Um, so uh, this whole time I've been trying to p- pull up the document and I can't remember very much, um, but I do remember, um, I think it was really early into that second half and he talked about proxy savior. Um, 
I've just been hearing, it's just like everywhere to me of um, this covenant that we have to, to bring other people up and how, you know, how you listen to so many things, you don't know where the, where the thought came from. Um, but I guess I just wanted to talk a little bit about that. Like, like when I pray about that, so I have several children who don't, who do need some help. Um, and seeing how the days are, are really coming upon us where really time is truly running out. Uh, I do have this, just kind of this fear of, and I do, when I pray, I'm like, you know, I'm kind of afraid, but I do feel like, bring it on. I got, I need to, and evaluating my own intentions, like, okay, so why do I want this? Why do I want to ascend? Like, is it just for me? Is life going to be easier when I ascend? You know, because I tend to be a comfort seeker. And um, I don't know. I just would love to have this conversation about what, you know, descending. Yeah, descending and ascending, like. I think it's in, I can't remember. It might be marker 46 something. Mm -hmm. I just remember writing down one marker and then getting distracted. Well, I did a search for proxy savior and, oh shoot, I just exited it out. Hold on. There's three. One is, two of them are under sons, servants, and seraph saviors. And... Why did oh, I just did that again? And then there's one at hour one. Mm-hmm. One and two milliseconds, whatever. Two seconds, I guess it is. Yeah. So, so there's only three, three and I don't know if those are the ones you're looking at. Well, I can't pull you. up. I'm in like my car. I can't, for some reason, I'm not able to pull my the document up um but yeah let me read like the the phrases around those and um because yeah i think that that's Mm -hmm. a an excellent thing to uh dive into here and and have a a good conversation on so it says um just kind of it's a quote from windows and it says that uh entering into individual um contracts with him under the terms of the davidic covenant they act as proxy saviors of others in the pattern of King Hezekiah at the siege of Jerusalem. And then the next one says that um, unlike the mission of God's sons and servants, however, which is local, these uh, seraphs is worldwide. Um, Their role as practices saviors under the terms of the Davidic covenant involves an intense descent phase through trials and afflictions followed by a glorious ascent. And then the last one, um let's see there's a question and then he answers it i think so proxy saviors who are doing for somebody something they can't do for themselves um and then it kind of goes into kingdom stock talk and everything but yeah so but i like that right after that where it says well it's also how we grow right it's how we grow into godhood Mm -hmm. so that kind of ties in i guess to our progression right 
Yeah. I mean, a lot of us think about our families. I mean, who's going to save them? Um, like my family, they, they all hate me pretty much. And I know that happens to a lot of us, but I feel very deeply that it's my job to help save them, even though I've got this descent with them going on. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so I think that that's such an interesting principle, right? Like, why do we, because I don't know of a single person that I've heard from anyway, that um, really gets the desire to help their family and then succeeds on the first try. <laughs> like the first talk is always blows up in your face every single time. And so I, I think that it's an interesting pattern. And and I think that it's set that way so that it initiates our descent and, and we <laughs> just bring it on, I guess. Um, and But it's interesting that our descent to help them has, and, and we have to come to this realization at some point, will cause a descent of theirs as well so when we initiate ours it initiates theirs and they may or may not be ready or <laughs> they they're going to think that you're attacking them in in ways that uh, you're not meaning to but but it, it does initiate part of their descent as well we we have to descend together because we have to to both dive to certain depths so that we can say hey i know how to pull us out kind of a thing and so it's an interesting like tug of war of like <laughs> i want to to save you but we both have to descend lower than what we're currently at and nobody like we choose to, to i mean we seek comfort a lot of times you know like nobody wants to bring on pain and, and things like that and and yes while we like somebody who's injured a leg, for example, right? Or that has to go through surgery. Like, yes, we have to make it hurt worse for a little bit because here's the correct path to healing. And likewise with spiritual injuries and things like, okay, we're going to have to go on a descent in order to, to rise higher. It's going to hurt and you're going to feel uncomfortable. But I, I've been there. I know how to get through it. Let's do this together. And eventually it's supposed to form that bond, that, that ceiling that happens and, and we'll come out on the other side of it. But man, it's a rough go <laughs> trying to, to initiate that whole process. It, it always blows up in your face and you're like, okay, fine. I mean, it's like trying to grab a cat who doesn't want to be picked up or rub the belly. Right. I mean, right. They'll, they'll scratch and claw you to no end. You're just like, I'm trying to help you. <laughs> and, and I think that that's all part of our are decent there i don't know anyway sorry there's hands go for it <laughs> maria oh i just didn't put it down but i do uh, have another thought about that um it's interesting that we have to descend because if we are if we're willing to you know put our you know our current uh state of being on the line you know or, or you know sacrifice that to help our loved ones and obviously we're on a little bit of a higher you know we're on a different level um but that we descend i guess we just they descend lower than where they are and we descend because we we descend because we're okay words let's see 
we descend because we are offering or sacrificing that. And so we are automatically going to descend to, to reach, reach for them and get and help them through their phase. You know, I'm having a really hard time with, with this. So I, I, my uh, son's, I mean, my husband's daughter was talking about how she thought she married into a really strong family. They were strong in the church and she was quite dismayed to find out that so many of them are, have, they're just like many people in the church right now. They just didn't have a deep enough testimony to, to weather these times. So they're, you know, they're just swaying back and forth. And, and so they have all these accusations about, you know, tithing, what the tithing's used for. And, and if you don't pay tithing, you can't go to the temple, but isn't the point to get you to the temple? And why is the church preventing from you from going to the temple? And, and in, in my brain, I'm just like, is everybody idiots? Like there are always requirements to fulfill. Like if you're going to school, if you're, you know, if you're progressing beyond your associate's degree, you've got to sacrifice, you've got to meet certain requirements, blah, blah, blah. But that, of course that doesn't apply to anything else in life. So I get really indignant, like, why are they even asking these questions when they don't even know what a covenant is or what it can do for them? Like why? And I have like very little tolerance for it. I have, I'm so impatient. I'm, and my husband's like, well, you gotta, there's gotta be a logical way to explain all these things. I'm like, well, I guess I'm really illogical because <laughs> I, I don't want to, I, I don't have the tolerance for it. Mm -hmm. And I guess I'm just revealing my weaknesses. I guess pride, it's pride. I'm prideful. <laughs> Aren't we? All? Um, <laughs> so anyway, I'm. I guess I'm just expressing frustration with just the the way of the world and like criticize you know all the criticism. And I guess it is persecution. I guess I do feel persecution. I do too. Even though they're not talking about me, I feel persecution because. When I do mention anything, even to my very close loved ones, um, the scoffing that goes on is incredible. And I have like, I have really no idea how to bring my children along when they don't, I, yeah, they just, they're just not even anywhere near hearing. And they say, th you know, they, they say things like, well, you know, we don't believe the same. And I, it's hard for you, mom. I know it's hard for you to know that. I'm like, I raised you. I know what you believe. You know, <laughs> I know the spirit that I felt as I taught you children. Mm -hmm. So you're deceived. That's a lie. I don't say that. But anyway. Yeah. Okay. So somebody else talk now. <laughs> um. I'll just, I just want to, one, validate you, Maria. It's, it's so hard to know what to do, but just, um, I don't know if this will make much sense, but just as, you know, we're talking about descending and, and often as we try to help people that kind of starting a descent phase for us, um, I don't know. This this probably is just more for me than anyone. But I like I look back on my I guess journey and as I 
you know, I learn new things and I'm just so eager to just, you know, I think we've all maybe experienced it. You learn something that you feel is so important and life-changing and you want to, you want to share it with those people you care about most. Right. And, and, but I, I noticed though, for me <laughs> that, you know, and, and I've also been met with a lot of scoffing and ridicule and stuff, but I can see that process exposing a lot of pride in my heart and and often like i look back and and you know well me i think my intentions maybe were i don't know sincere and just wanting to help people but i think i can look back and see that there's also pride like i can definitely look at times where it's like i know something that you don't and you're an idiot and you just need to listen to me you know that kind of attitude but so I think like I look at that and and I think that resistance and descent is such a beautiful gift for us as we go through it to be able to see to to be met we meet our pride there we meet our you know we we start to see and realize maybe how much that is kind of a driving factor in wanting to help people and and then through the process like as we see it and we're faced with it then we can seek to be cleansed of it and purified and then our and grow in, in charity so that, and, and, you know, yeah, we're trying to find, we want to know how to reach these people, but I think it starts to come from a, a truer place of charity instead of pride to where we can start ascending on that level of helping. And, and, and then I think when it transitions into real and pure charity then we truly can be uh we we truly can be um servants of god we we can only do his will instead of ours you know we can only speak and help and support these people in the way that god would have us do it instead of conflating what we think they need to hear, you know, the timing and everything. So anyways, that's just kind of what I've been like pondering and picturing in my head as I've, I'm pondering a lot on my pride and, and, and it's so strong. And, but I have so much hope that as I recognize it, when he shows it to me, I can, I can repent and then I can start to, I can get to a place where I can receive that charity that I need. So anyways, mm -hmm. just some thoughts. Oh, that's great. Thank you, Amy. I think you're exactly right about pride. Mm -hmm. You know, it shows us our pride. Yeah. These frustrations it's yeah. Pride is like the main thing. It's, it's like, a yeah, and I watched the last two uh, 
sessions of you guys meeting. I wasn't there, but boy, last night my prayers were so different from just watching what you guys talked about. Just thanking Heavenly Father for being in our descent because we are being refined. I was just a ball and mess last night. So thank you guys for helping me. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Good that. sessions the last two. Yeah, yeah Stephen. You're oh. muted. You're still muted. Oh, just a second. Here, let me ask to unmute. Mute. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I comment so rarely, I forget I have to do that. Uh, <laughs> Maria was talking about using logic, and I don't think logic gets through to people who are hardened their hearts in that way. You've got to get through to their hearts somehow, and, and logic doesn't do that. They're not going to listen to it. So. Yeah, which is such an interesting thing, because you're just like, it works for me. Why doesn't it work for you? <laughs> like, how right. How are we not seeing the same thing here? It's a hard concept to, to to grasp on ours, isn't it? So I have some thoughts about it. And um, I was just kind of taken back when you guys were talking about how you reach out to others and trying to teach them. And that causes a dissent for both of you. But... but I have never thought about I need out and teasing out what's not like being a proxy savior and you're wrong is that you you lead by example and you make a covenant with the Lord I will do these things um, for you to rescue these people that it's not necessarily my place to do anything with that person as much as the Lord's place and my place to do that with so i'm just curious mm -hmm. which is really interesting in there oh yeah shalice um i had that same thought is that we give a shout out to the to the lord i mean his job you know is the saving um the spiritual saving and i my understanding of this proxy savior role it was a physical saving um now through our covenants there's a different type of saving uh for our family um and i don't quite know how that works um, but through our faithfulness we can bring our children along at least to a saved status now their exaltation is on their own on their on their shoulders and that's where that eternal progression you know the hope and prayers that that happens um, but I think the savior's role is all the saving business. And as we ascend, we become a tool for him to use in his work, but I'm reticent to take on that, that role that maybe I don't understand clearly. You know, I'm, I, it sounds grand and glorious, but I think that humility has to come first. And then we become a natural tool like um, Alethia. Is that how you say it? Alethia. Alethia. Yeah. Uh, what she mentioned and, um, well, it was mentioned, everyone touched on it. 
and the contention comes when we try to step in to the savior's role i think mm-hmm. i leave a lot on his shoulders yeah it's really hard as an imperfect person to point out to others their imperfections right and have it be accepted like that because i'm i've got my own imperfections so that's what they see mm-hmm. i don't know and i just for me i've just tried to lead by example that's it mm-hmm. so yeah what's really interesting here is that like hezekiah's story is really the pattern for the whole gamut of of things well him and abraham like abraham's life is also a pattern but it's more extensive but as hezekiah or sorry as isaiah is seen to our day and saying okay what can how can i teach this principle the most succinctly possible it's hezekiah and and each player in the hezekiah story is is doing certain things and and i really like what you said shalice about um or the the phrase that you said that like sometimes we try to step into a higher role when it, it it's kind of meant to be like we're, we're jumping a little too uh quickly into to something that, that's above us mm-hmm. and um what we learn about father abraham is that he was trying to do the same thing he was like i want to be translated i want to go to the zion i want to do this and the lord's like calm down <laughs> there's a whole nother level of the ladder in the middle and here's how you get there kind of a thing and he's like oh interesting how he had never uh nobody had ever taught him that part because that part always gets skipped and so with the hezekiah story i find that that's so interesting because son servant level is all about physical deliverance it's not about spiritual deliverance at all and and when we're trying to save somebody spiritually that's not our role. We are to save or to intercede for them for a physical deliverance. And um, so what does that look like? And and how do we do that? Because uh, seraphs have a very different mission that's in the same thing. I mean, there's just uh, callings on, on different levels, right? And so as we are interceding for other people, there is a law that must be established so that when we obey the higher law, they can obey the lesser law and be saved. But they have to have a motivation for it. We can't force it upon them. It's all about agency, right? They have to cry to us, and we have to cry to the Savior for that. Like, there's there's this pattern. And so if they're not crying for it, we, it's out of our jurisdiction to to implement a new law and and that's often what we're trying to to do prematurely is implement a new law and say why don't you see the logic (laughs) this law is amazing but if if they're not actively pleading for it then our role i mean we will get an extra slap on the wrist a, a decent if we try to impose a law that has not been asked for kind of a thing and so that's such an interesting principle that comes out through the hezekiah story um but yeah so many times as we're starting to wake up we just go straight to to seraphim type things and we're like i want that because that's what's going to actually save my family but it's just the the opposite and and that's a very painful process to realize oh i'm not there yet but here's what i do 
or can do in the meantime. And a lot of that is rooting out pride in your own self and, and fully relying on faith, what that means, how to spiritually create a new reality for your family in order for them to realize, I need to ask for this and, and instigate that on their part. If it's not their idea, it's never going to amount to anything. I don't know. I'm just kind of babbling at this point, but uh, I think that that's a very important principle that we need to know the levels of the ladder and then act appropriately because we're often trying to to take the Lord's place in a lot of things. I, think I love that, Cameron. Thank you. And, thank you. Yeah. And I think there's, I can't think of them off the top of my head, but just in our New Testament study, it just so it comes to mind of like I do think the Lord expects us as we learn and experience him, like we have a responsibility to be cautious and careful about what we say or do or whatever with our with our brethren, brothers and sisters, so that we don't become a stumbling block for them, like that we don't you know, we can, yeah, like you're saying, a slap on their wrist, but like, I think we, if we are a stumbling block that kind of pushes them away for some, from something that the Lord would at some point give them, like, that's on us, right? Like, I think we, I don't know, I just think, I wish I could remember scriptures, but I just think we are to use caution, obviously, to not create stumbling blocks for people, but to actually yeah, just like what's been said. <laughs> and it's Help interesting them. because because uh, that's the pattern, right? Almost every single person that I've heard of makes that rookie mistake. And so it creates the first stumbling block for ourselves. And, and it's kind of the perfect thing for us, right? Like the Lord's like, okay, yeah, now you learned. <laughs> that's your first mistake. But I need you to clear that before I'm ever going to do any more. Like, but sometimes that stumbling block can stick around for years. Uh, if you uh, let the pride sink in a little bit more or uh, kind of dig in your heels kind of a thing, that that stumbling block, but that's your only task. Like <laughs> sometimes we're like uh, in this kind of uh, deja vu or kind of... Uh, Groundhog Day principle, or we're like, I don't know, but how am I ever going to reach my family? And and the thing is, like, I'm just barely coming to this. Like, this is like the Lord right now speaking to me for my own thing or whatever, and I'm just trying to like uh, put words to to what I'm feeling right now. But like, I've still this whole time been worried about the wrong thing. You're still trying to act as as this kind of a person. I need you to take care of the first stumbling block that you caused for yourself. Once that's out of the way, then I'll give you more. But like, <laughs> you're still kicking against the bricks here. Like, that's the the first lesson that we have to learn. And I think that it's it's kind of like the first lesson plan of kindergarten. You, you, it's there for everybody so that we first tackle that and then we can level to, to whatever we need to do next. But um, it's usually the same stumbling block for for everyone. Why has that taken me so long to learn? <laughs> anyway, sorry for ranting, but uh, working oh, through it in real time. 
I have I have kind of an interesting thought from this summer that I kind of learned. And it may kind of help us with this whole thing. Um, and that is that there's really there's really no wrong decisions. There's unrighteous decisions, but not wrong decisions. And that's because we come to this earth to gain experience. And if that's what you want to choose, and that's what you want to experience, that's what you're choosing to learn. That agency, Heavenly Father's like, that's fine. Like if you want to sell drugs, you want to, you know, end up in jail, that's fine. That's what you get to experience. Is it unrighteous? Yes. We don't get the blessings of righteousness. But there's really no wrong. This everything gives us experience in this life. And we get to choose what we want to experience. So even when our loved ones are choosing what we think is the wrong choice, I don't think Heavenly Father sees it that way. It mm-hmm. gains experience and lessons that would not otherwise be learned. Does that make sense? It kind of sounds, my husband, when I told him, he was like very, he did not like it at all, but I don't know. (laughs) Come on, see the logic in this. (laughs) Yeah, but to me, it's like, don't the scriptures tell us to gain experience? We get to choose the experience we want. We get to choose. And that's where our loved ones choose and maybe go off the unrighteous path, the covenant path. But we also get to choose. We get to choose how to react to them. We get to choose what we do with it. We get to choose our relationships and how we grow them or how we turn. I'm just saying we get to choose also. Mm -hmm. And that's not... um, Yeah, we get to choose also. And so we can choose pride. But sometimes it's hard to feel like we choose pride, not realizing it's pride. That's not what we want to choose, but we choose it. Yeah. Um, and we choose things that kind of get us off the right path. So I'm just saying, I think I just, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Is that a weird Oh, no, yeah. I, Realization I or because we we often try to to fit the entire gospel paradigm into right and wrong, and right, yeah, <laughs> it was never meant to be that way. Like it is <laughs> the covenants, and there's blessings and cursings, but it's all for experience. I I love that. Yeah. And... Sorry, ahead. I was just gonna just like, and it reminds me of. I mean, you know, he talks about in this lecture, the different degrees of glory and even the the non-glory, not kingdoms, but places, I guess. Um, and yeah, and it's, I guess it's like, it's not that it's right or wrong, but it's like, that's what he, he like, exactly like you're saying, Alethea, like, we choose where we're comfortable where we want to want to be what we're willing to to be it is 100 percent 
that agency and stuff. And so, yeah, and not, not looking at it like that's right or wrong, more just choosing, yeah, choosing righteousness or choosing this lesser mm-hmm. path or kingdom or whatever. And it, that's that. <laughs> I just think all experiences we have are for our good. Even if we're in prison, even if, you know, the saints as they were persecuted and we know we're going to face the persecution, it's, it's not that we're persecuted. It's we get to choose how we react to the persecution and Heavenly Father's okay with how we react. We're going to receive different results on the way that we act. Some are earthly results. Some are spiritual results. I often think of Corey Tenboom, right? And and how she reacted when they were imprisoned. Her and her sister were imprisoned, Betsy. Um, they got to choose how to react. And that made all the difference. And so is it right or wrong? It doesn't, it does everything's there's no wrong choice. There's unrighteous choices. And we, and I think that's kind of what we had that talk about, you know, it's not a vending machine that you get to put in. I do this and I do that. I've really wrestled with that because we're also told every, every blessing has, um, if you, if you want a blessing, find what the, is it the, it's not the covenant, find what the action is that goes with it but I can't remember the right word but I've really wrestled with that because it feels contradictory but I think what it is is when we're faced with something we can choose the blessing like or the cursing Mm -hmm. and that blessing may not like I'm thinking of Leviticus 26 and keeping the Sabbath day holy I'm going to keep the Sabbath day holy I will receive blessings. They may not be right now, but the blessings of protection come because of that. Um, but we, we get to choose, we get to choose. And um, I think we can also look at, so if we look at the, the waywardness, what we see is waywardness of our loved ones. And just see it in a different, that it gives them experience and all things will work to their good. It gives us a different perspective. And then I know I've shared with some of you, um, I don't know, maybe a year ago. I know I may have shared it twice. I know I shared it at the very beginning when we first started almost two years ago, but I was just kind of a checklist member. And I'm sure you guys know, you guys have all gone that path. and. And my oldest son, we just went out to visit. He has chosen a totally different path. He's left the church. Um, He's been in various paths of agnostic, atheist. And when we just talked to him, he brought it up and said, I need to find spirituality again in my life. You can't be a whole being without the spirituality. But it was when I realized, like he verbally said that he'd left the church, that I realized I have to be better. And then I saw my son, not as a wayward person, but as 
as a savior to me because he ripped off the scales of my eyes and I saw things in a different perspective. And what gratitude I have that he has descended in a way to be my savior, not even knowing that's what he was doing. And so if we can look at our loved ones in a different way and change our perspective, then I think it, it makes it easier. If like, we don't have to assign them, oh, they're wayward, they're going to go here. We can't assign that. We don't know. And so, I don't know, maybe I'm just rambling on, but I think if we see him in a different light, yeah, it makes it easier. So this is a, an exercise that I used to do, but I, I kind of honestly forgot about it until now. But um, back when we were doing like lectures on faith and really diving into to meditation and what it looks like to to create spiritually and things. Um, one thing that I would do was I would go through this specific meditation and and try to get an honest perspective of my life. Like if you're envisioning it, like almost like taking your spirit to a, a, a different perspective so that you can see the overall vision, right? Of of you and and your relationships and your progress and everything. Try to get God's perspective. And, and go mm-hmm. through the meditation, go through the prayer to do that and, and look at how you're ministering to others and, and truly ask, is that how I would want to be ministered to? Like <laughs> when you, when you get an honest godly perspective of that, you can say, Whoa, no, I would hate that. I would, I would throw up my, my arms at that too. And then you can like approach things a little bit differently and, like kind of that that golden rule minister to others as as you would like to be ministered like what oftentimes we're we're trying to categorize and and we're using our our language inadequately when just like what Alethea said are we considering those that we're ministering to our saviors as well because if we're not then we're going about it wrong because this is this is an all for one one for all musketeers perspective like we have mm-hmm. to realize what they're doing to influence our life and what we're doing to influence their life because that's what zion is right when we're taking a, a sun servant level and we're descending what are we descending to zion and so we have to abide by zion's laws in order to 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 work and what is zion it it is everyone together and and not any kind of disparity of like, I'm trying to pull you up, dang it. <laughs> like we we're there to build Zion in that, that level of the letter. Maybe we're ministering to a, a Jacob Israel. Then we have to abide by those laws and those precepts. If we're ministering down to Babylon, then we're abiding by those laws and those precepts. We, we have to realize where we're ministering to. And we have to realize that they're just as much a savior to us as we are to them in order mm-hmm. to ascend. Like, I think that that's a very important principle, but that that like guided <clears throat> that that powerful prayer to get god's perspective not just for others like i want to see god or let's see i want to see others how god sees them do it for yourself as well am i truly ministering effectively here and and what am i not seeing what are my blind spots what faults are there in the way that i'm speaking 
um, or acting or or judging that are not in harmony with this mission that that I'm on kind of thing. That was a very helpful exercise and I can't believe I forgot it, <laughs> but I, it's coming back now. Well, I'm also wondering, I think we've all made covenants with each other, especially in families. And when I kind of started pondering more about my son, our son, it made me wonder if there was something I wanted to learn. And he said, mom, I will help you. I covenant with you. And I don't think, I mean, we can all fulfill that covenant in righteous ways, but we can choose to do them in unrighteous ways or, or making unrighteous decisions. And the decisions he's made is to leave the church. Maybe he could have done it in a different way if he'd stayed in the church. This is just how it's manifested in this life now. And so if I look at him as that maybe he's fulfilling the covenant to save me, like this is, this is his covenant with me. Like, wow, what a sacrifice he has made for me. I love that. Yeah, because the, the covenant paradigm is not just this <laughs> earth. Like we have to mm -mm. think broader in, in those covenant relationships and things. I love that. And also as, you know, like maybe I wanted to learn how to forgive. Well, in order to learn how to forgive, I have to be hurt. And so maybe the ones that hurt me the most are actually fulfilling the covenant they made with me. Mm -hmm. So when we change that paradigm, and see things differently. Like you said, with an eternal perspective through Heavenly Father's eyes, it can really flip how we feel. Like those emotions. And we can actually move forward with gratitude rather than all the other emotions that are usually negative, right? Judgment, pride, frustration, anger, whatever. We can flip that. Now I say that, I'm not saying I'm perfect at it. <laughs> yeah. I haven't mastered it at all, but But we I get can these moments of clarity, right? Where we're like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah. Talking about it's much easier than the application, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so interesting. Yeah, so as... Um, like the Isaiah conference has, has been coming up, right? And um, uh, my talk that uh, trying to prepare for or whatever was trying to like take a look at our, our book clubs and like, I don't know, what did we learn <laughs> this year? Because that's what they wanted us to kind of format it on. And I was like, how do we tie in modern idolatry to the, the dreams, visions, near-death experiences? And I don't know, just like what was the whole journey and stuff? And so it basically came down to to that. This is what I'm I'm talking about. It's like out of Babylon and into redemptive suffering. Like what and how to fill the void that's left by rooting out modern idolatry in our lives. And it it's been like this process. I <laughs> I don't know. Like I I knew some of the stuff, but I didn't know how to like put it together quite or how to to phrase it and stuff. And so it's been interesting kind of preparing for that and and figuring out the different bullet points or the different stories that that help illustrate that and everything. And man, it's just 
Isaiah is like this perfect model for for all of this, right? Like if if you understand Isaiah, if you can understand all of the um, stories that he's telling, especially Hezekiah as the chiastic highlight of of Isaiah, that it all just comes together. And and there's these brief moments of clarity as you're studying that that really help propel and and prepare a people for their their end time roles and things it's so masterful how it does that and then the the book of mormon amplifies and acts as this magnifying glass on on aspects of isaiah and things it, i don't know i'm just quite baffled at how perfect the lord has prepared his people for the end times and um uh, the sequence of, of everything that's happening but especially on that, that Zion Jerusalem level, there's the three tests of loyalty and and rooting out modern idolatry, acknowledging it, recognizing it in your life, rooting it out, going through the stumbling blocks, trying to become a sun savior and falling on your face half the time, that it, it's all part of this beautiful process to, to help us gather Israel and prepare for the second coming because it it's it's beyond the scope of what we can currently comprehend or act accordingly to and so isaiah is it it's just such a a blessing to to have his writings the opportunities to discuss with others and everything Uh, i don't know i just my love for isaiah has like like just been exploding the, the the past few few weeks not that i didn't have it before but it's like i don't know i just it's a weird experience that is to like deepen in in that and and really understand it in a a more fuller context than i had before kind of a thing i don't know why i was like sharing that but anyway (laughs) it's so important to root out idolatry but then to replace it correctly um Mm -hmm. and not just go straight to seraphim level type things and have it blow up in your face Anyway, I don't know. Sometimes I get on these weird <laughs> <laughs> testimony things. Well, that's what this is, right? Like, I mean, we're all just here sharing our testimonies of things as we're mm-hmm. experiencing them, right? <laughs> but yeah, Isaiah. Isaiah is amazing. Um, Anybody else have any testimonies or things that they want to share before we end today? I just feel like life gets in the way of studying like so much. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's not making, it's not making bad choices. It's just like, Oh, just living by the sweat of our brow. Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. All the things, the worldly, all the temporal, not worldly, but all the temporal things we need to take care of. And anyway. Yeah fun process <laughs> finding balance in our lives yeah all right well um just looking at the calendar making sure i have all my ducks in a row i don't think we have anything yeah so next week um same time uh we will uh, take a look at the first half of lecture 11 let's look at its title really quick what is that one about 
and end time Sodom and Gomorrah. Yay. <laughs> what a fun subject. <laughs> it's, that one's actually been on my mind a lot lately of um, looking at the, the Abraham story and people on the ladder and Lot and his decision to, to settle there of all places and the end time implications of that. Implications. Implications <laughs> of that. That'll be fun. Anyway, um, so yeah, we'll we'll see you all later. Sorry for all the technology glitches this morning. We'll I'll <laughs> yeah, I'll warn you in more time if that happens again next week. But we may have to hop on a, a different Zoom link. But all right. Well, have a, a great week. Saving souls, everyone. Thank you. Good night. Goodbye. Goodbye. Everyone. We'll see you next week. <laughs>